devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. God is dead! Eighty-five percent of the teenagers in high school have been exposed to hardcore Satanism. Jesus wants me to live an abundant human life. Satan's pretty cool. Well, it is my pleasure to be sitting here in person <laughs> with the co-host of the Pittsburgh-based podcast, Ghoul on Ghoul, and journalist Amanda Waltz. Hello. Hi. I'm looking at you. You're in person. We're in 3D. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for the listeners, this is the first in-person podcast I've recorded since in over a year. So Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, I guess. I'm honored. Honestly, <laughs> I am so pleased that I'm the first. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ghoul on Ghoul. Yes. Tell the listeners about it if they already don't know because uh, you've kind of paved the way for shows like this. Stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is in, per- in person means like yeah. like uh, buttering the guest up. That's, so. I, I will take it. <laughs> uh, so Ghoul on Ghoul is a, let me see, Sarah usually does our shtick, uh, my co-host Sarah. So we are a sex positive horror comedy podcast featuring first person accounts of the paranormal and other creepy cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Okay, right. I think yeah. I got it. I think I got it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a mix of us talking about a mix of things. So that could be anything from true crime to the occult to the supernatural. Uh, and then we kind of just mix in the, talking about sex and the dynamics of sex, uh, especially in regards to how it relates to horror, which as you and I talked about before we started recording, I mean, they're intertwined pretty heavily. Um, and a lot of people have questioned, you know, like, oh, what's the connection? And we're like, watch any horror movie, read any, you know, any kind of mythology, folklore, look at anything like it's there. Um, but I think it's just the subtext. I think people don't want to admit that it's there or else, you know, are uncomfortable addressing it. So. Yeah, they think it's like this inappropriate linking of violence and yeah and and sexuality. Yeah. But it's also they forget how how ubiquitous is it the idea of going on a date mm-hmm. with to see a horror movie exactly. because like who you know whoever you're with might grab yeah. you close like Absolutely. The, like, and there's closeness the thrill. to death. Yeah. brings about like a desire to live right now which 100% what sex is about yeah. at the end of the day is a moment of reprieve from existence that is perfectly put i think yeah no and i think too it's like when you look at any kind of i mean even like with true crime true there's so much of true crime is dictated by sex and you know vengeance and jealousy and anything like that i mean it's and the dynamics of it too when you think about i mean we talk a lot about like victorian era (laughs) stuff because victorian era stuff is just like so interesting that it is like so fascinated with sex and so 
disgusted by it at the same yeah. time. I mean, it's like there's so much you could talk about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but I but we also talk about stuff like ghost trains because uh-huh. I'm just like I like trains. I want to talk about ghost trains. Yeah. Full disclosure, I was on an episode. You were. Yeah, listeners, if you want to go back to I think episode ninety. Two, yeah, was abducted. You are our last, funnily enough, you are our last guest before the pandemic hit. Oh, that's good luck for me, but bad yeah. luck for Yin's guys, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we had we had two guests on like during the pandemic, but like that had been after months of having no one on. So you were you were technically our last like guest guest. Well, that's yeah, good for me. It's a good episode. <laughs> it's a really good episode. Uh. Well, yes, you're also a journalist. I am. And how did you get into that? And what's, what is it like, you know, what's that journey been like? So I have always wanted to be a film critic ever since I saw the animated series, The Critic. (laughs) I'm not joking. When I was a kid and I saw that, I said, oh my God, people get paid to write about movies. I think this is what I want to do. And so I actually started in high school. Uh, writing film criticism, and I kind of just kept working towards it. I got my film degree at Pitt. I wrote for various publications, and then I tried to make my own way as a writer when I was in my 20s. That didn't quite work out, so I went to grad school uh, and got my degree in arts journalism. Had a lot of problems finding a job writing about arts, though, so I started writing about other things. Like I started writing about uh, business, tech... Just kind of anything that people would pay me to write about. And yeah, I just kind of fell into journalism. Uh, I mean, and I had had like a journalism background. Like I took classes, you know, and I had been writing long enough that I understood the mechanics of it. Uh, But yeah, I just kind of fell into it. And so I was trying to do film criticism and arts journalism as well as regular news journalism. So I wrote for a site called The Film Stage while I was doing regular journalism and I was on a podcast through the film stage where I would talk about it. And now I, uh, and now I work for a publication. I have a regular full-time journalism job, which is a huge gift. Yeah. With the city paper. Right? I am with, with the city paper. Yeah. Pittsburgh based any, I don't know how many listeners I have that aren't in Pittsburgh, but I don't know either. For us. not. Yeah. Uh, it's an alt weekly. Yes. Or it's an entertainment alt weekly. Most cities have them. I, I would hope. Uh, I know a lot of cities, I follow a lot of alt-weeklies in other cities to kind of see what they're doing. Um, And it does seem like if you're like of a certain size, you usually have an art, uh, art and entertainment alt-weekly. So, uh, but yeah, that's what we do. We write about the arts. We also do news. Um, So I do, I, I definitely go between both worlds. A lot of Twitter hot takes as well. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> fuck Citizen Kane. I yeah. remember reading that one. It was kind of like, okay, okay, yeah. Well, because Paddington 2 is now the highest rated <laughs> yeah. movie. Deservedly so, I would say. <laughs> I love the Paddington movie. Oh, I do need to, yeah. It's like a butt of many jokes, but it's, I think the joke is that people aren't joking. When no. Like, it's good. It's wonderful. <laughs> like, no joke. The Paddington movies will make you believe in the goodness of humans again. Is it anything like, did you ever, you were probably too old for it, but yeah. Little Bear that was on Nick Jr., familiar with Yes, that? I am familiar with Little it's Bear. kind of, Little Bear was so good because it was really soothing. There was yes. like hardly ever any conflict. It was usually it's just like, like, oh no, I lost my marmalade. Yes. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's uh, kind of, it's, I mean, Paddington is a much higher stakes. There's, okay. Uh, and also, because you have two villains in both of the movies, the first villain is Nicole Kidman as an evil taxidermist. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Fantastic. I didn't even realize the taxidermy angle. Oh, my is God. Paddington a, a, is he supposed to be a real bear? He is like a special, a special species of bear that is, I mean, anthropomorphic. Uh, okay. So he can talk and move around, but he's like one of the last of his species. Um, are there moments of people being like, what the, f- who, are, what are you? No. Huh? That's, I love that. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about movies. The I mean, introduction of not like something that would make people in real life yeah. probably have a conniption and like nope. fall apart. But in that, they have like, like accepted oh. him. Yeah. I mean, it's like a little bit in the first movie and in the second movie, it's like, oh, there's Paddington. He's hanging. Oh, in the second movie, Hugh Grant is the villain and he's an evil Ooh, actor. Okay. But wow. there's also like, even though they're evil, like Paddington believes in the goodness of them. Oh, I like that. It's yeah. beautiful. I highly recommend watching both Paddington movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, uh, I usually have the icebreaker with every episode. What pop culture mm-hmm. besides you know binging Paddington have have you been watching lately? And I, obviously, with you know if it has more of an occult bent, all the better. Oh, buddy, <laughs> I have spent a good portion of the pandemic just watching horror, and now I am I have like exhausted that to the point where now I am in the occult horror. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, realm of YouTube. Mm. I have been following these couple channels. One of them is called Ben Type Stories. The other one is called Curious Curious World, I believe. They kind of have very generic names. Uh, Bedtime Stories is really good. Um, and it's basically, they're always read by British people. I don't know why. It's always a British guy who reads them. But um, I've really been delving into that. And that is like anything from alien encounters to... You know, like, did the Nazis try to use this occult thing to mm-hmm. win World War II? Like, anything like that. Dogmen. I mean, it runs... And it's minutes. fiction or... or No, like it's based re- on, like, real accounts. Okay, it's someone... A, sort so, of like lore? Like the lore yeah. podcast? Yeah. Like. I would I would say, yeah, lore... Um, I would say the bedtime stories is much more, like... It's non. It's like narrative nonfiction. Cool. Okay. Um, Curious World is more straight up. Like we're just going to tell you a ghost story that is based in fact, and you know we're basically like reading it. Okay. You know, and it's it's still really good. And is there reenactments, or is there just kind of like you know uh, pictures coming up? And yeah, different... there's some. The bedtime stories one is some weird illustrations, like half animated illustrations. Okay. Um, Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're comically bad. Um, the other one is the Curious World one is, um, and as the person who he actually said on an episode, like I'm trying to use my own original footage, but it's a lot of it's a lot of stock footage. Ooh, okay. Like, but he he's like, I'm trying to get my own, you know, going out and filming on my own just to make it a little more original. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's they're both pretty good. They're both pretty well produced. But yeah, I, I will say like that, in, in addition to that, I have been watching a lot of horror and a lot of like, I've been trying to find more sort of like obscure horror movies. Mm. So I watched this one. I love Australian exploitation. Yes. Oz-ploitation. Oz-ploitation. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I watched um, Not Quite Hollywood. Have I was just going to say, yeah, that documentary is the only reason I know about like, the town that ate 
cars. Or oh my god, there's some. There's another one that's set in a drive-in. Yes. Right. It's yes. Like they like post-apocalyptic in a drive-in or something. To to give a shout out to um, a friend of my podcast, Neon Brainiacs, they actually do an episode about that movie. But I watched this movie. I'd never heard of it. It was called Dead Kids. Okay. I think it came out in 81, I believe. It's supposed to take place in the Midwest. It's supposed. To, I think it's supposed to take place in Illinois. It's filmed in like New Zealand and Australia. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there are points where I'm like... It's the Midwest and they yeah. show like a mountainside. Yeah, they show like a gorgeous prairie like <laughs> yeah. full of like tall grass. And I'm like, that is not Missouri. Uh-huh. Right? This yeah. is supposed to take place. Um, but it's an all-American cast, but every once in a while there's dubbing over actors to hide that they're Australian, mm. and it's very obvious. But it is a wild-ass movie, and I really enjoyed it. It's kind of just, like, playing off of, like, the mad scientist uh, narrative and, like, that era of filmmaking where, okay. you know, it's... But with, like, a more modern twist. Like someone sort of experimenting on yeah. people and oh yeah you know, like a, a mangala oh like, yeah yeah well i mean it, it is because it's a small town but then the teenagers start murdering okay and, and it's because there's this there's this facility that is paying young people to do these experiments and it just you know wheels into this crazy you know they go into like this background louise fletcher is in it from um she played nurse ratchet oh yeah okay and i love it because like i feel like after one flew over the cuckoo's nest she got typecast as a uh, sort of like yeah. hard-edged yeah like yeah. awful cold person or yeah i guess this, am i using that correctly no you are definitely okay. yeah it's which is i mean she's great at playing that but in this one she's kind of like a breezy fun like diner waitress oh i love that yeah and i was like i love this for her she's like dressed up she's kind of like it's very like um like flow, like kiss my grits okay, kind of yeah. thing. Like maybe she's more of a character actress. Oh, she definitely. That's is. what. Yeah, yeah some, that's unfortunate when character actors get yeah. typecast. It's like no, they, as long as they're playing someone that's kind of eccentric and yeah. like larger than life, they're good. They oh, can yeah. be, you know, M. Emmett Walsh. Oh my of, god. You know, Blood Simple Fame. Oh my and god. Cohen Brother. He's played any number of yeah. sleazy, backstabbing private detectives. Which is fun. Yeah. Cute old you know coot yeah along the you know like the... let me let me spin you a tail yeah like, yeah that kind of thing yeah and look, like seeing her and i was just like oh, she is great look at her go like yeah. i don't know i was just like so touched to see her in this role where she wasn't like a mean old abusive woman <laughs> Here, in the peaceful Midwestern town of Galesburg, nothing much ever happens. Morning, Mr. McNally. The kids go to an ordinary college. However, this is an ordinary professor. Dead. And they help science with a few harmless experiments. Two sessions, two days, a hundred bucks a day. With this little pill, the world will be yours for the next few days. <laughs> The little fire. Am I supposed to feel the little fire? She's dead. And he's dead. And the dead don't come back and take revenge. Oh. Where's Mr. Brady? Get him. 
They dyed his hair and they scraped it off. They fed him till he couldn't move and they starved him. They cut him open twice, once to take out a pancreas, once to take out a lung. They even refrigerated you once. Would you like to order it? I'll have the liver, please. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, I'd like to know a little more about what's going on before we start. It's a very, very exciting experiment. What did they do to you up there? What are those needles for? What are you sticking me with? She said it was like she was drowning. We invite you to come with us on a terrifying experiment. Help! Somebody! Help! It started all over again. An experiment with dead kids. So, pop culture, occult podcast, pop culture, what yes. was your, when did you fall in love with pop culture, and <sighs> what was that like? Oh my god. Well, so I grew up, uh, I'm farm. I'm a farm kid. Okay. I grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of north central Pennsylvania, very rural. We didn't have cable until I was like 13, so we had maybe four channels when I was growing up. So I had to kind of either watch whatever my mom was watching, watch whatever my, so I had two much older siblings. I I had teen siblings when I was a kid, basically. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of at the mercy of whatever they were watching. So I rarely got to watch kid-centric mm-hmm. media. Um, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was probably my biggest love when okay. I was a kid. Because I, I could access that. That was okay. on a channel. Yeah, um, that's but, still pretty. That's going to, oh, yeah. it at least gives you something as an adult. Yeah. You're not completely in the dark when someone's like oh, yeah. nostalgic and you're like. But Nickelodeon, nah. I didn't have Nickelodeon. Mm. I didn't have the Disney Channel. I didn't have any of that stuff. Okay. Or I didn't okay. even really have like ABC or anything oh, like that. Dang, not even like TGIF. Think, no, Ooh, I never had TGIF. Wow. Never. I mean, like if I was at a friend's house and it was on, I could watch it. I mean, I was aware of it because I do, you know, of just stuff outside of, yeah. you know, my friends would talk about it. Plus but, you had that the journalist's ear. You're oh, like, yeah. oh, I don't I have to. I was on the playground like, who's this Urkel character? Yeah, Sabrina, <laughs> the teenage witch. But or like, I, yeah, I never, like sometimes I would go to my aunt's place because she had cable and I would watch like Pete and Pete or I'd watch, Ooh, you know, whatever yep, was on that. Yep. And that was great. So pop culture for me was very much relegated to my mom loved old movies. So I watched a lot of old movies, like classic Hollywood. My dad loved Western. So I watched like Outlaw Josie Wales, you know, anything like that. And my brother and sister. So it was like my brother watching action movies with my brother and watching like the burbs or like whatever with my sister. Okay, yeah. yeah. And my sister also loved Matlock, which is another weird thing. Oh, like when my she... grandma loved Matlock. My yeah. sister. Okay. So I would be sitting there watching like Scooby-Doo and my sister would come home from school. And she'd be like, get out of here. I want to watch Matlock. <laughs> <laughs> my sister loved Matlock. <laughs> it was very strange. Matlock. Yeah. That's Dick Van Dyke, right? Or no, oh, no, no, no. It was Andy uh, Griffith. Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Dick Van Dyke was uh, uh, God, murder. Was a... Oh, fuck. What's no. it called? Murder, uh, di- diagnosis, diagnosis murder. murder. That was it. Yeah, he played. Oh like my a... god, he played a doctor who solved crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. yeah. It was, but Matt, yeah, Matlock. And then my sister turned out to be my sister turned out to be like a true crime head. Later. Okay, okay. She loves City Confidential. That's one thing my sister and I have in common. We don't have cool. many things in common, but she loves true crime. And so, so that was it for me as a kid. And then, so horror. 
I never really like watched a lot of horror movies when I was younger because I got very easily scared. Okay. So the movies for me that were like scary, actually, I would say more than the actual horror movies I watched were either like old Disney movies or like there were just scenes in random movies that I would watch with my siblings. Like uh, there was a scene in Conan the Barbarian that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Which? Uh, it's like one of the final scenes. I just remember there's like, Mirrors? It, there's like the mirrors, yeah. That scared the shit out of me when yeah. I was a kid. I think is that is that Conan the Barbarian or the second one? Is that Conan I, the Destroyer? Ooh, which, which one had James Earl Jones? Was that the Barbarian? That's the first one. Yeah. Okay, think, so it must be. Either way, because Destroyer. Yeah. I'm sweating hairs at this. Yeah, because Destroyer is oh, not yeah. very good. Yeah. But, oh, that that one stuck with me too. The like he's fighting yeah. like, this beast. This sort of... It's scary. Yeah, and he can't see him. The dude's... Especially... Anytime you... When, like... Arnold Schwarzenegger meant so much to me as a kid. Right. Because he just represented this, you know, kind of... He was mythic. Power fantasy as well, you know. And to see him in any of his movies, just like in Terminator, when he's getting the fuck beat out of him, Mm. it really hurts your heart. And that's kind of what it was in Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. That dude is smashing him up. You're like... Go on, man. Go on. I know. But But yes, scary scary stuff as a kid. So yeah, I, you know, so that for me was, it wasn't like horror, like actual horror movies weren't my gateway into horror. It was like Monstro and Pinocchio. It was the bear and the fox and the hound that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. It was Watership Down, Mm. the movie. That movie fucked me up when I was a kid. Okay, okay. So it was that. And then like, eventually I came around to starting... I started watching, like, actual horror. I can't remember exactly, like, the first horror movie I ever watched, but I remember I was obsessed with Vincent Price when I was okay. a kid. I loved, like, I said he was, like, my hero once, and my mom was like, please don't say that. <laughs> Come on, Mom. <laughs> I was like, but I, um, there was an anthology that he did that I used to rent all the time. It was, like, the 80s. Oh, fuck, was oh it, it was like, uh, yeah, he set it up and just kind of, was it him just talking about horror? It was just him, like, it was, he was like the wraparound where, like, it would go back and be like, wasn't that scary? Here's this other story. And he would do that. It was mm. like when he was much older. Okay, well, yeah. I can't I remember what that. it was called, but yeah, it was like. Suffice it to say. Yeah, but suffice it was to say. It, I, like, that was actually probably officially my entry into horror was through that movie. And then, like, I just got really addicted and I, yeah. I love horror. I watch it all the time. And then, like, I, I like I studied it in college. Actually, I took I That's took classes awesome. about horror film. Um, you know, for where did you go to college? I went to Pitt. Pitt. Okay. Yeah, I went to okay. Pitt. I studied under uh, for other people who went to Pitt and studied film. You probably know Adam Lowenstein okay. was the the horror uh, guy. He was very into Cronenberg. I'm not a huge Cronenberg head. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, whatever, dude. But you know, it helped me understand it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, pop culture for me was so odd because, like, I I think I come from it from a journalist perspective because, like, I never got to experience it on, like, a visceral level. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, like my husband, for example, is, like, a huge... He was, like, a huge punk and he lived near D.C. And, you know, like, for me, it was, like, punk music. I had to study it. Mm-hmm. Like, I read books about it yeah. and watched documentaries yeah. on it. And then I was like, now I can enjoy this. Yes, yeah. So, like, it was kind of the same thing for me where I was, like, I, I kind of had to, like learn about certain aspects because Mm -hmm. i was never exposed to it as a kid like i never i was never allowed to have something of my own Mm -hmm. because like i had to just watch whatever my family was watching 
So it wasn't until I got much older that I was like, oh, okay, now I can like enjoy this and get to like experience mm-hmm. it. But yeah, I, I think like that pop culture for me is like, yeah, I guess that's just like how I would explain it. Well, you were telling me about, you kind of made me think further about gothic yes. horror. Because yes. for me, I really, when I hear gothic horror, all I think of is like universal monster movies. Yes. But you were talking to me more about things like, as I did more research into it, yes, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is considered gothic That is horror. gothic, yes. Uh, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but also like, what is it, the Dorian Gray, the... Mm-hmm. The... Yeah. What is even that? The Portrait of Dorian Gray or Portrait whatever? of Dorian Gray. So what, yeah, what do you consider? What what would define gothic horror as opposed to, you know, horror? So gothic horror is interesting. So I think people, I think people think of it more um, like Jane Eyre, for example. Okay. Or I mentioned Wuthering Heights earlier. That would be considered gothic. So it's kind of, it's more like atmospheric. Okay, yeah. I think there are, the themes in it are sort of like loosely horror, mm-hmm. as opposed to just straight up, you know, like Frankenstein, for example. That's just horror because there is a literal monster. Yes, yeah. Um, but I think it's sort of like seeing like humans be monstrous oh okay and so okay. like the way they treat each other and the way it's very like it's sort of seeing horror as like emotional sexual repression anything like you know mental illness is like a huge theme like the horrors of mental illness whether it's doing that consciously or not is debatable um but yeah i mean it, it definitely comes from like a certain place and time and it's a tradition. I mean, Southern Gothic, there's sort of like Gothic, mm. if you're thinking about Gothic, I think it's very intertwined with like Britishness, I guess. And then you have Southern Gothic, where Southern Gothic is very much like Tennessee Williams definitely has elements of it. Um, you know, and then this, the thing that we're going to talk about is very heavily Southern Gothic because it's set in Virginia. But yeah, I think Southern Gothic is like a whole different world where it's very, and like Southern, you know, it's like the genteel Southerness. It's kind of like, but also the South comes from like a very violent past because of the way it's related to like slavery and the civil war. And then you had like, you know, reconstruction Mm -hmm. because the civil war basically like destroyed the South. And so it was like, okay, well now what do we do? Like our entire you know, we made money off of slaves mm-hmm, and now we, mm-hmm. we don't know what else to do. And so we're living in these like old plantation mansions and it's sort of, it's very like haunting and it's very creepy because it's like, you're seeing these, you know, it's like a bunch of creepy white people basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. a very, a bunch of creepy white people who are trying to hold on to this, this lifestyle or this idea that like they're better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's very much like, it's very much rooted in white supremacy. I mean, if you really want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Southern Gothic. Horror, yeah. Southern Gothic okay. horror is very much about like the sort of, I guess like just like degradation of the South and how they just like refuse to move forward and how mm-hmm. they refuse to progress and like the horrors of that. I will say like one good example of this uh is the movie Baby Doll. 
Okay. With, um, that is very Southern Gothic, and it is sexy and weird okay. in like a creepy, gross way. <laughs> that makes it. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page here for Gothic fiction, Gothic horror, and I yeah. like this from the intro. All it says is it tends to stress emotion and pleasurable mm-hmm. terror that expands mm-hmm. the romantic literature of the time whenever it kind of started. But I yeah. do like that. I'm like, oh, pleasurable. Ooh, Terror. yeah. Watch Baby Doll. It's, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Wallach. Uh, Eli Wallach okay. is in it. And he plays like, <laughs> I feel bad because Eli Wallach, who was Jewish, but he always played like, like quote unquote ethnic characters. Mm. Like he was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and he was supposed to be Mexican. Okay. Like yeah. he definitely is like, we don't want to hire an actual person of color. So yeah. we're going to hire this Jewish guy who's kind of swarthy to play. yeah there was that era of hollywood we could go on and on about it but he plays like an italian guy or something and but it's like ooh, he's like so he's like so sexual and brooding and like Mm -hmm. swarthy you know and it's but it is dude it's i love that movie and it's so creepy and there's definitely like elements of like you know bdsm okay yeah Yeah. it's very cool and it very much is about like the south refusing to move forward and you know it's like oh we we would rather live in like squalor than actually admit like that yeah being bad losers yeah like the worst losers Yeah. yeah we'd rather live in this rundown mansion than like actually like do work that doesn't involve like exploiting people yeah yeah (laughs) it's like all the people now that are posting signs like oh well nobody's working at the restaurant now nobody wants to work so like we're closed and it's like Uh can you work can't you turn on a grill Uh 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 sure all right buddy yeah same person like on facebook being like man people need to take personal responsibility it's like well maybe if you paid a living wage to your employees and gave them health care they might want to work for you yeah but someone needs to write a gothic (laughs) horror novel about like oh i'm sure there already is post-pandemic restaurateur yeah if i if i explored enough i could probably find something like that like like capitalist gothic (laughs) yeah to seek refuge where the future is haunted by the past where the innocent live in the shadow of sin where a dark legacy awaits to destroy all who defy it So gothic horror, mm-hmm. and we're talking about gothic horror. Show a little bit behind the curtain here because you brought up an author to me yes. that you wanted to bring to the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we reveal the author, uh, 
further behind the curtain, I guess, is just <laughs> it was an author that I had to dig a little deeper in to find yeah. the occult connection. So if you want to set up the author and then we'll try to dig for some weird occult Oof. connections with this one. So V.C. Andrews. Okay. Uh, she is a... I mean, probably not now, but in the 70s, 80s, huge, huge bestseller. Huge. Weirdly categorizes YA lit, which I find Young very... Young adult. Yeah, yeah. Which I find odd because of the themes in her books. Well, especially her most famous... Her most famous, book, Flowers in the Attic. Flowers in the Attic, which if I Mon- didn't know anything about it, all I knew is that it, it has a brother and sister have sex. It's... Yes. Oh, I know from this I mean, young adult novel. That's just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> Okay, with that yeah. book. Before we get into that, though, yeah, what? why V.C. Andrews? What, what's the significance, especially for, you know, an occult uh, yeah. pop culture podcast? So V.C. Andrews, I will say, because we were talking a little bit about gateway horror, I think V.C. Andrews also is gateway horror. Uh, as much as, like, you can call her, like, Southern Gothic, you can call her YA Lit, this is horror. I mean, okay. her shit is horror. And it's, there is body horror. There's, uh, I would say, like, almost like torture porn elements. You you mentioned, like, you know, there's, like, some very triggery themes. There's yes. incest. There's a lot of rape. Okay. Uh, a lot of rape. And so. And also I, some supernatural elements. Some at least allusions to. And, yeah. And religion. Yeah, a lot of well. religion. So, yeah, yes. um, but yeah, I would say because I like when I brought it to you and you were like, I don't see a lot of the occult, and I'm like, there, it's there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's there, it's not explicit. Yeah, which is perfect for the show. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't ever want to just go for the easy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is about vampires. Yeah. Cool, you know. Yeah, it is more like again, it fits. It definitely fits in terms of like the definitions of the gothic that okay. I went over, um, but. It's just such a, uh, it's just such a thing where I think too, we think about the author herself mm, is mm-hmm. so mythic mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. such a mystery where not a lot of people knew her. Okay. And not a lot of people were friends with her and she didn't start writing until she was 56 years old. Dang. I love stories like that. Though. Oh my God. Makes, that makes my makes 33. Me... Yeah. It makes, yeah. It makes me, yeah, I'm 38 and I'm like, oh, I still have time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Started a podcast in the thirties and it's like, oh, that's not, yeah. not that bad. No, yeah. it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially considering what she had to overcome. If you look at her life story, you know, the reason you don't know a lot about her was because she was, uh, wheelchair bound she had been very sick for most of her life and a lot of people don't really know what happened some people say like she suffered a fall down the stairs yeah, some people yeah that's say what she, i've read yeah. yes some people say she had rheumatoid arthritis okay and that's yeah. why and it was just like a very severe case because she did one of the things i read was she could stand okay. um, she did have the use of her legs but i think she i think her mobility was very limited so her mother was her caretaker so there's a lot of like, you can see when you start looking into her books and yes. into, she was, the you know. themes and the, the dynamics of the characters. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of mother stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, and so it's very Freudian. Yes. Yeah. And these books, I will say, very Freudian. Yes. Like this woman was really going through it psychologically through these books. I mean, I I will say like these books more than anything are a window to the psyche of VC Andrews as someone who, 
Like, I, I was reading about, like, her editor who worked with her said, like, she never really had a life. You know, she mm. she basically just, like, stayed in her house. She wrote 10 to 12 hours a day. And she never had a romance. It was like, oh, one of the things that really wow. struck out to me. Okay, and yeah. so her understanding of romance, of life, is from almost an Arrested Development mindset where she it's like a 15 or 16 year old how a 15 or 16 year old understands sex understands romance understands anything and it's really interesting this actually makes me think of this quote i read of hers i don't know the exact context but this was uh she's talking about her childhood here Mm -hmm. and this kind of can maybe give some insight into sort of how she chose to deal with things uh she says i was i was the kind of child who I was the kind of child who always looked for fairies dancing on the grass. I wanted to believe in witches, wizards, ogres, giants, and enchanted spells. I didn't want all of the magic taken out of the world by scientific explorations. Interesting. So, oh. kind of this... Okay. Almost operating under the assumption of a mutual exclusivity yeah. between fantasy, romanticism, yeah. uh, you know, beauty, and... Like this scientific approach where analytical, yeah, you know, and absolutely. we're talking like psychology, yeah. perhaps was was opting to explore those things through her art yeah. rather than try to ask science what's going on here. Yeah, these are definitely, and I mean, I brought two books with me. Okay. So I bought, the way I was introduced to her, so I always knew about her, but it was, to me, it was like, and I mean, look at the fucking artwork on these covers. Yes. Like, how could you resist? Yeah, we got a, on my sweet Audrina, uh, we have a, what looks to be like the top of a tower with the like face cobwebs. of a girl. Yeah, in the window and cobwebs throughout. And these are very iconic. So and this heaven. was... Yes. With like you this. open it, you see like the picture and then you open it and there's the evil family. The evil family, The yes. domineering mother character in this one is like very telling, I yeah, think. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful uh, the, like painting. The paintings. artwork is yeah. incredible. Like how could you, res- like you would, so these were pretty much just paperback. I mean, okay. I, have, I have some hard covers because that was how I started reading her was I found almost a complete set of her Dollinganger series, which is the one with Flowers in the Attic. It starts with Flowers in the Attic. And it goes, uh, I think there's four or five books plus a, there's like a prequel in there too. Okay. So I bought that and I read it. I was in my twenties when I read them and I was like, what the fuck? I mean, you can plow through these books. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is, yeah, I can read these in like two days. I think I would like be reading a very serious book and I was like, ugh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I would just like read this. (laughs) I love stuff like that. Yeah. I've read this multiple times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and to reiterate, yeah, the a theme of our show, like treasure within trash, and that yeah. sometimes it's like we don't need the highfalutin like yeah. art that's been critiqued and lauded. We need something that's accessible, exactly, and wheedles its way into your brain just to. And there's so escape. much to mine from them. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the thing. There's so much to mine from them, and I think like the thing with gothic too, with gothic literature, is that it. It plays with supernatural elements and mm-hmm. it plays with elements of the occult or elements of horror without being very explicit with yes. it. Yes. Yeah. This is a good point. I found uh, a list here. I'm not going to read all of them, but it's uh, it was on oh Gizmodo. Okay. It was the, the eight weirdest things that happened in VC <gasps> Andrews. Book. Oh my God, I can't wait. And I just wanted to see if you recalled these. Yes. I tried to pick out the ones that have that uh, have at least some occultic vibe to them. Yes. So, okay. Uh, all right. I'm ex- all right. Quiz we me. Have Quiz me. Starving kids drink blood. 
Can you, that's, do you know what, I think that's Flowers in the Attic. That is Flowers in the Attic, yeah. yes. Uh, do you recall the context? So basically what happens is there's... So in Flowers in the Attic, not to spoil it for anyone because you should read it. It's fucking wild. But it's a mother becomes a widow. A young mother becomes a widow. But she had, stands to inherit a bunch of money from her evil father. So they go to the mansion, and she, but she has four kids. And she can't get the inheritance if the father knows that she has four children. Because okay. she's been like estranged from her family mm-hmm. for years. So they hide the children in the attic. And they're up there. And she's like, oh, it's only going to be like a month. And then when your grandfather dies, it'll be okay. Mm. Like he's near death. And so, but then they end up being then up in the attic for years and years and years and years. And they start getting very sickly. But there's two like teen siblings and two, there's like two twins who are like very young. And so I think what happens is the teen siblings, they start starving because like they stop bringing food up to them that is like sufficient, like nutritionally sufficient. So the teen siblings start letting the younger siblings drink their blood. Whoa. Like they cut their arm and like let them drink the blood so that they don't die. It's fucking Whoa. Wild. Yeah, that's like you're saying. It's yeah, so it's like wild. it's vampiric but not Yes. Not on the nose vampiric. It's at no. least alluding to like the power of blood and, Absolutely. and blood as, mm, as nutrition. That's so wild. Okay, we have uh a son is possessed by his great grandfather's evil spirit. Um these are all these are all like VC Andrews. These are VC Andrews, not, not ghost written ones. No, because yeah, just okay. just for the audience to know, after her death, she did okay. get a ghost writer that that continued her legacy. Yes, but yes. We're um, trying to stick to her specific stuff here. I know this happened, but I can't recall the book. This is from If There Be Thorns. Oh yes, which yes, is yes. A sequel to Petals on the Wind. That's the Dollinganger series. Er, sorry, yes, yeah. From oh yes, yes, yes. I do remember this. Yes, okay. their child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember the. Yes, I remember it. Okay, so this is yeah. So this is when so Kathy and Chris, who are the siblings who have an incestuous relationship, they go on. They escape from the attic. Okay. And they go on to have a life together and they they basically kind of like pawn themselves off as a married couple. Okay. She has a child with someone, not not her brother. And he he gets possessed. I do remember this. Okay. Yeah. Oh shit, I can't believe I forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah. It's sounds, wild. <laughs> I love shit like this. It's very soap opera. Oh my god! It's very it's days so, of our lives, you know, like so soap opera. It's uh, wild. Okay, okay. well, uh, did you want to do one more? Or do we, one more. Let's here do we one get, more. Yeah, let me see. Let me see if I can do it. This is uh, someone's father tries to force his daughter to become her dead older sister. That's my sweet Audrina. Okay, yeah. That is okay. So my sweet Audrina is her last book before she died. Okay. Which is interesting because it is the most, I would say it is the most, like, occult okay. book of all of hers. Like, very straightforward occult because basically, so, and I can actually, like, read you an excerpt. So, it is this this girl who her father is like, you have to tap into, like, these memories. And it's like the way he does it is he basically like makes her sit in this rocking chair and Mm. makes her like almost basically like hypnotizes her. And I think it's like, he's, he's trying to almost like a seance. Like he's trying to get her to tap into like 
her dead sister's memories or something? <laughs> there is an excerpt here on this, okay. on this website. Oh, Pop- let's just do that. Papa, I wailed for one last time. Please don't make me. Oh, he said, heavily sighing. Why do I have to force you? Why can't you just believe? Lean back in the rocker. Put your head against the high back. Hold the chair arms and begin to rock. Sing if it helps to wash your mind clean of fear, of worries, of desires, of emotions. Sing and sing until you become an empty pitcher. Oh yes, I'd heard this before. I knew what he was doing. He was trying to turn me into the first Audrina. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, this is some fucking... It's, I like it. Yeah. it. This book. So I think I find it interesting because she had breast cancer. That's how V.C. Andrews passed away, um, at least from the accounts that I've read. So I almost feel like this, maybe she was dabbling more in the idea of ghosts in the afterlife because she knew that she didn't have uh, like much longer. Yes, I even that points to I found just in one article someone claimed that mm-hmm. that VC Andrews believed herself to be clairvoyant that she I... had predicted her wealth that she had predicted her heart attack that she had had and oh. and sh- that she had also predicted her father's death accurately but again this hasn't necessarily been confirmed it's so but hard like to you're confirm. saying this is one of those authors that the mystery oh yeah like of she... her is yeah. kind of what it really, brings something to the novels. Absolutely. It 100% does. And it's why, like, you know, when I read Flowers in the Attic as a 20-something person, being a little... You know, if I had read it as a teen, I'd be like, well, that was fucked up, but I should not have yeah, read that. Yeah. But as a 20-something person who, you know, was at college educated, I think I was just looking at it like, what happened to this woman? Yeah. Yeah. You start to see what's going on with the author. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it is... And then, and then when I started reading up about her and started learning more about her, I was like, wow. I won't go into it because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. But, like, My Sweet Aldrina, definitely watch it. Okay. Or definitely read it. I mean, body horror. There's a scene where a woman has a miscarriage that is basically like, okay, yeah, if you were in a state of arrested development at 15, this is how you would understand how a miscarriage happens. And it is insane. If you just want, like, a quick fun disturbing read like this okay. these books disturb me more than any adult horror book has ever disturbed me right like, on yeah well, so that's yeah the yeah sweet recommendation yeah for, of sweet my sweet my sweet Audrina. absolutely well amanda thank you for being on the show thank you for letting me talk about vc andrews hell yeah thank you for introducing <laughs> me yeah uh Anything to promote? Where can people find you? Uh, Ghoul on Ghoul, baby. Uh, yeah, so you can find Ghoul on Ghoul pretty much on any platform. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Libsyn is our main platform that we are hosted on. Local company, Libsyn, I okay, should say. Okay. Pittsburgh company. Shout out. Uh, but also, if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, we're pretty active on there. Uh, Ghoul X School Pod. You can look us up there. Um, we have a Facebook page. No, yeah. don't don't bother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't bother with it. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Uh, but yeah, also, um, we have a Patreon too. Um, yeah, just look up Ghoul and Ghoul Podcast. Um, so you can give to that if you would like. <laughs> For those of you who start listening to us Do and it. want us to keep going. And we are taking stories. If you have a ghost story, if you have an encounter story, if you have like, we have a secret room in our house that we didn't mm. know about. 
anything like that, please send it to us, uh, ghoulongoolpodcast at gmail.com. Also, uh, one of my fascinations, twins, creepy twins. If you know about a creepy twin. Okay. Yeah, I love a creepy twin story. That's my own personal thing. Sarah (laughs) would probably say, like, please stop talking about creepy twins. (laughs) But yeah, uh, so yeah, just anything like that. And also, you know, I write for the Pittsburgh City Paper you know, we are uh, we are an alt-weekly. We have had a lot of problems over the pandemic. And, you know, if you're looking for some good local arts coverage and you're in the Pittsburgh area, yeah, I mean, just give us a read, you know. Uh, we always appreciate that, so. Sick. Yeah. Uh, well, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fake Ritual and on Twitter at Fake Ritual Blog. Check us out at fakeritual.com got some old articles i wrote up there hopefully updating Mm. it soon uh and email us with uh with i mean with anything just email us if you want to be on the show or Mm -hmm. if you want to make fun of me or whatever (laughs) i like the engagement at that's fake.ritual.inc at gmail.com and also please Please rate, review, and subscribe on your iTunes or your Stitcher or whatever because it helps out, and I'd love to hear some feedback. Uh, So that's my begging you. Uh, But (laughs) Amanda, full disclosure, I stole this from your sign-off on the show is goodbye, and you have the guests say it with you. So mine here is a go fake yourself. So would you like to join me in telling the fakers (laughs) to go fake themselves are we gonna do three two one we'll do one two three no, okay so i'm not completely plagiarizing <laughs> okay. the show okay so one two three go, go fake yourself, yourself.